Hello and welcome. I'm Christina Irvin, leader of Team Clarity. If you had told me I would be setting more healthy boundaries with my closest loved ones, not doing something out of guilt, and comfortable asking for the sale or setting prices equal to my worth in my business after such a short time in this course, I certainly would have told you no way. However, I'm doing all of those things and much, much more unapologetically these days. While you're grabbing a pen and piece of paper, consider this. Just how many people are actually paid to learn? Yes, you heard me correctly. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. And by the time I'm done with this course, I will have earned more than what I invested in this life-changing journey. You can always listen to our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. And to get one reminder of our next show, click on the follow button at the top of the page. Now, it's time to dive in and let's get to work. Let's meet the rest of the team. Hi, this is Marcia Sortino and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hello and welcome from the gorgeous state of Wisconsin. This is Patty Anderson. And now, time for class. Well, Marcia, you had a, a little bit of a wake-up call this past week, you arrogant woman you, that you are. Yes, I was reading the blog post and I thought, go ahead, oh, Marcia. <laughs> it didn't bother me in the least to hear that. In fact, it almost kind of felt good because that was a big sign. Wow, you really are changing. Somebody in your class let you know that they're not comfortable with the change. And I was so comfortable at that point, I was like, well, this is the way it is. I'm not sorry for being who I am, and you are not going to take up my time whenever you feel like taking up my time just because, especially when you miss the class. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I noticed about that, though, Marshall, when I was reading your blog post, I, I thought to myself, what you just said, how... Awesome it was, you set a boundary. Like uh-huh. You decided this was valuing me. You set a boundary. You held the boundary unapologetically. And it totally highlights how literally it's a reflection of that person and their right. choice it has nothing to do with you. And I was like, bravo, girl. Do what you do. It's their choice. That's exactly right. Everything turned out fine. As we begin our adventure together... I am mindful of the fact that we are completing our eighth month. We have four more months to go out of our journey. It almost makes you not want this to end. I keep bringing this up because some of my first classes in 2007, 2008, I avoided the topic of everything ending. The last month together is designed to be more of a celebratory integrating process, so it had the winding down built into it. I ignored just how much of a routine we'd all had gotten into, how much each week at a certain time our family reconvened. And yes, we have the occasional bumps and grinds and misses and so forth, but I I thought, well, it's completed our contract. I've done what I said I was going to do. I've checked that off my list, time to move on, focused. And I made the extraordinary mistake of ignoring some extraordinary growth 
for fear of coming across as being pushy, coming across as being your typical, now that you've completed the 101 level, now you too can sign up for the 102 level at the near price of blah, 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 blah. I hate that stuff. I just hate marketing that feels like everything is an upsell all the time, yeah? Mm-hmm. Right. Is it safe to say that what you've gotten out of your journey so far, you could easily spend the next decade unfolding? Oh, my goodness, yes. Absolutely. Yes. yes. I mean, is that a little bit of a too boastful statement, or do you think that there's some truth in it? There's truth in it. No, there's truth in that. Once you start exploring yourself, I mean, you're always going to be exploring, I think, after that. I feel fantastic today. I feel that exploring is going to be in my world from now on. So So what fear, Marsha, kept you in analysis mode? And what popped that bubble? What fear kept me in analysis mode? Hmm. That's the question I'm going to ask everybody today. Is what pops us into analysis mode? And one of the items I'm going to throw out there, a near and dear relative to the fear family, miscontrol. Miscontrol. <laughs> when it came to my control, I didn't even know what it was that I was trying to control. What part of me was trying to control me? So when I was introduced into the idea of exploring, that's really when things changed for me because, as I said in a previous class or in my other class, what really popped the exploring for me was when I went into your website and I started exploring. I didn't even know that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. I really started exploring, listening to everybody, the interviews that you had with people, checking out everything there was on the website. I must have spent a couple of days doing that, just for fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny that that's a great question, a great topic to start off with, because it helped me, A, remember what I had just forgotten. One of the things that has been great to retire for me has been that beat myself up mentality. Realized that was sort of one of those kind of false things that allowed me to be like, yeah, I'm owning this. Like, I'm owning my faults. I'm owning my whatever. And so I can say it, and this is it, and blah, blah. Literally, I think it was more about I had fallen into sort of a self-victim kind of mentality and gotten used to to beat myself up. It had become routine for me to beat myself up. And so when you bring up that question of what causes us to get into the control mode and everything, when I really think about it, that mode, that feeling of beating myself up, being my call to action to myself to do more, to grow more, achieve more, or do better, or whatever, always triggers those control things. If I can control what's going on, if I can make fix things for people, and if I can control these variables, then it gives me more opportunity to fix things for everybody, and then it's just a vicious loop. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Well, it's deeply supported by religious dogma. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. 
One thing that I did, too, is that I had the comparison monster. I was comparing what other people were doing. Basically, I was trying to figure out things. How are they doing things? And then it led to me comparing myself to me. So right there, that kind of just will put a stop to things because then you go into analyzing mode. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed, ladies, how sneaky the analyzer is? It's like a second skin. Mm-hmm. It's so pervasive. It's so subtle, isn't it? Oftentimes, the beginnings of the analysis mode might feel like exploring, yeah, mm-hmm. but then something takes over. And what takes over is the ego's desire to have a result. It's good or bad, right or wrong. I have time, I don't have time. I have money, I don't have money. I have the confidence, I don't have the confidence. As soon as there's a causality, and we're going to talk about this issue of causality today. Causality is what creates the food for fear. If I do dot, 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 then dot, dot, dot. If I don't do dot, 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 then dot, dot. If I say, don't say. You see where I'm going with this? Yes. And your mind is constantly thinking like that. I'll share this story to help frame some of this control stuff. A few decades ago, I recognized that I could very well have very few days left, and I really did not know my biological family. When you're diagnosed with certain medical conditions and the family history points to the fact that stroke at an early age due to obesity is a high prevalency, I thought, well, all right, before I stroke out, I'd really like to get to know my older family members because I really honestly didn't know them. They had moved out of the house, had their own families before I was even conceived. I called up my eldest in the family. She was curious about my desire to come and spend a week and just explore and talk and so forth and so on. And during that time, she opened my eyes up to something that just literally blew me away. My mother always complained of being lonely. When we would have holiday gatherings, it always felt awkward to me that people had to be there, quote unquote, that familial Well, it's Christmas, got to show up at mom's. Well, it's Easter, got to show up. It's that got to show up to. Does anybody else suffer from that affliction of got to show up to? I have in the past, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Patty? I don't know. No, I don't think so. You've never felt pressured to show up someplace because of your relationship with another person. You'd rather not be there, but because they're the, the mother, the father, the boss, you've never had that pressure to show up because of that. Okay, now that you've rephrased it, yeah, yeah, yes, I must say there's been Christmas parties and things like that, job affiliated that I didn't really want to go to, but I felt pressured to. So that pressure, the one thing that my sister opened my eyes to is that my mother was completely blind to how she used manipulation in the form of love Mm. known as guilt my mother was completely blind to the fact that she was controlling all of her children but in her mind I believe she thought it was her way of showing love 
I really care for you, so make sure you dot, dot, dot. I really love you. Why would you think of going roller skating if you could hurt yourself? Dot, dot, dot. It was her love, her form of love, of showing love by being controlling. And I never, ever saw how control could be masked as this notion of love. Follow? Yes. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, this time of year brings up, I mean, that is so prevalent. It's always, the family never gets together and we're always getting, I'm getting older. And, and for me and my family, it's especially on my mom's side, it's everybody's dying. <laughs> Just like you were saying, we're not close anymore. Nobody knows what's going on in anybody's, in anybody's lives. We don't talk. We live so far apart from each other, blah, 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 blah. I've been, I've been in this painting what I'm worth for, so I'm comfortable with my decisions on subjecting myself to certain situations that I just will not be doing. Control. The ego's desire out of this societally taught notion that control equal sign shows love. It's this notion that if we can control whatever it is that needs to be controlled, we're going to be safer, more comfortable, more happy, right? Right. 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 When the absolute opposite's true. True? True. Mm-hmm. Every time my dad <laughs> would say, why do you want to go roller skating? You might get hurt. It would bring in that feeling of guilt. We knew already, the kids and I knew already, oh, we don't want to ask Dad because (laughs) we know what Dad's going to say and we know how we're going to feel afterwards. Guilty for asking. So what happens when the prism is turned, the perspective of control is viewed through the lens of a person simply demonstrating what they think, what they feel confident is unconditional love what happens when I see control or efforts to control me by another person what happens when I see that control as a form of their unconditional love what does that do to the control then it makes you really want to do what they feel like you need to do if you feel that's how that they're giving you unconditional love That's one item on the menu. There's a a more powerful one. Yeah, it empowers that control to manipulate you. Again, a menu item, but there's even a bigger one. So what was the question again? Ask the question. When I become aware that anyone is trying to control me because they believe that that type of control is their way of showing me they love me. When I become aware of that, I can let go of feeling controlled. I can feel loved. Whether or not I do what they say, whether or not I allow them to control me or not, is secondary. The primary realization is it's, they're just simply, they don't know what they're doing. Bless them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
I can soften my heart. I can be that which they're trying to be, unconditionally loving. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Ah, now I feel the wheels turning. Hmm. For me, it helps this new rewiring take hold without any residual guilt. Because that doesn't mean that I have to, that they have to like, accept, or agree with my way of providing that unconditional love because likely they don't even understand it or they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Just love these liberating ahas. Isn't that fascinating? When I find myself in the middle of feeling controlled, I remember the conversation my eldest sister had with me about how my mother, unbeknownst to her, the reason why most people didn't want to show up at the house is because they didn't want to feel controlled, manipulated, guilted, shamed. Well, she didn't know that's what she was doing. It was her way of saying, look, I love you. I'd like to see you at the holidays. She didn't realize that she was putting a soured mix into the process of wanting to control everyone through, well, you know, it's been a while since you've been home. So as we examine our fears, as we wrap up pricing the priceless and we become more conscious of the cost of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, the cost of doubting ourselves, the cost of feeling ashamed, the actual physical, emotional, and spiritual costs of it. What's happening for you all? began to open up doors in my head where I have hidden pain and trauma and very raw for me right now. As a coping mechanism, you've tucked it away, right? Yes. I started to say these doors are ones that have padlocks and bigger locks and bigger locks on them. I never intended to open those doors again. So... Chelsea, I'm curious, as you become aware of how many security systems you've got on some of these doors, are you also becoming aware of how much physical and emotional energy it took to maintain all of those physical locks? Oh, yeah. And I can feel it in my spirit and in my body right now. Fear inspires us that when we feel the lid of Pandora's box about to crack open or blow open, fear gives us the energy through force of clamping it down tighter, putting another lock on it, putting another denial in, putting another, i got to hold on tighter. It's kind of like an arm wrestling match. I feel sad that I'm going to lose this arm wrestling match, so I'm going to pressure it more, and, and there's more pressure. One very intriguing exercise I do with clients at workshops where we're there in person as I ask them to hold up their hand and I hold up my counter hand so we're thumb to thumb and I tell them I want you to keep your hand in place do not move your hand keep it in place and then I ever ever so gently but persistently start applying more pressure And because they're honoring my request to hold their hand in place, they apply the pressure back, right? Mm. Follow? Uh Uh-huh. When they least expect it, 
I quickly remove my hand, and their hand goes flying forward. Yeah? Where am I going with this? I create such a resistance to, say, my door's opening that it takes such a toll on your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul. You don't even realize that that's what it's doing because you're so used to holding that pressure. That stress gets ingrained into your body day after day, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. You acclimate to it, right? Yes. My memory of it, yeah. You get used to carrying an ounce, a pound, 10 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds. My body got used to carrying an extra 125 pounds. It got used to it. It acclimated. The cost, if I had continued forward, is you and I would have never met. This is why, as we get in touch with our fears, I don't know if you're sensing this, but at time to time on the journey, have you found yourself really tired, just physically exhausted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I go through those moments of just sheer, like, woo, bouncing off the wall, like, what's up, everybody? Like, just energy out of nowhere. Feeling so light and just fancy free, if you will. It's been it's been just like that. Yeah, I get heavy as hell, and then I get like light as a feather. <laughs> as we release the stress, as we release all the processing going on in the background in our heads, the chatter, the chatter from our perfectionist, the chatter from our judge, the chatter from our controller as we recognize we don't have to deal with that chatter anymore, we can focus our energy on other things, yeah? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have more energy. Chelsea brought up a powerful fear. Writing about what I'm afraid of is difficult for me. Even though I've been growing in leaps and bounds, I have had many things that have come back to haunt me. I am afraid of not leaving my mark on the world and humanity. I am afraid of taking the step to make that happen. I'm afraid of truly stepping into my calling and my passion. Things that I thought I had dealt with and put behind me have cropped up again. I think that I have just placed them in one of the rooms in my brain, my brain house, and locked the door. One thing that Pay Me What I'm Worth has done for me is to alert me that just because they are locked away does not mean they are gone or dealt with. I want to be all I can be and I will work through my issues and step into my passion in my life. Thank you to Team Clarity and to Soul. Integrating the growth and awareness from what seems to be be a dazzling aha, um, and you root the growth with awareness that every word we speak or withhold or action we take or delay impacts every single solitary soul on the planet. When we choose to leave our mark, provides key insights on our desire to walk our talk. The notion of fulfilling potential. In our last couple of classes, we've talked about first identifying and then stepping into our potential, yeah? Yes. Is it safe to say that in that moment when I step into the reality of my divine potential, a natural response I could choose to have is feeling absolutely overwhelmed? Would you sense feeling overwhelmed is an appropriate response when you look at your fullest potential? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Patty? 
Yes. What do you suppose is behind that? Fear. How many times have we heard this old saying? We fear less that which we will fail. We fear more that which we may succeed. How many times have you heard that? In what forms have you heard that? Fear of failure, fear of success. Yep. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that concept? I think it's true. I think I have an example of that I realized not long after we started this course. When I was younger in my entire life, for the most part, I was involved in all these extracurricular activities and I excelled at them. I remember feeling the daunting feeling of the excellence and not wanting to achieve more excellence because, quite honestly, the burden and the stress of being one of the best and the expectation that everyone put on me and the fear of disappointing all that expectation was just too much. And it got to a point where I literally prayed to be okay with being average. And I didn't even... Breathe, breathe. And it really got to the point where in the last probably five years, I probably one of the things that I wanted most was to be okay to be average. So I intentionally sabotaged and dimmed my life. It just was a lot less overwhelming, tiring and stressful to just be okay with being average and not having to satisfy all the expectations. It was the doubt, guilt, shame, and worry of the external world. I didn't even know that I had taken it on to such a deep level. Is that what the divine wants from you? No, not at all. In so many ways, as a child, I took on the responsibility as a young child of trying to make my mom happy. That drove a lot of my success. Even as a kid in school, I was a straight-A student. And now you're beginning to tap into decades of stress that you've placed on your body. Absolutely. And as that stress seeps out like toxins... As you release those toxins, the energy will return. It's very overwhelming right now. It is. And I recognize that. And as you're feeling that overwhelmness in a perverse way, chuckle at it. It's like when... (laughs) And a sore on my body, when I have a cut or a scrape, or they tell me that when you break a bone and you're in a cast, there's this immense itching, and you want to itch it, right? Right. Well, how many parents, partners have told you not to scratch it, right? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Why? Why do we tell people not to scratch it? Because it opens it up. It sabotages the healing, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. So when you're feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I laugh. I chuckle because I know I'm healing. 
I'm releasing something. I'm in that sacred space of finally washing away whatever it is I chose to soil myself with. I don't need to know what it is that's being washed away. I just know I'm getting washed. I'm doing a clean cycle. Is this making any sense? It does. When I hear Marcia say she doesn't know what success feels like, I'm flabbergasted because in earlier part of this call, you have already experienced success. You had someone <laughs> call you arrogant, and you laughed at it. You liked it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did laugh at it, too. Is that not success? You're right. It is success. Absolutely. So because it doesn't have a $500,000 check being cashed <laughs> in your bank account, it's not a success? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, no. I shouldn't uh, look at it that way. It's, it, uh, is, it was uh, success. Definitely <laughs> successful. It was a monumental moment for me when that happened. <laughs> when I feel success, I might feel overwhelmed by it, but I'm going to keep going because I don't know what to expect with everything in my life, and I'm open to that. I'm open to not having to control every aspect of my life and to just let the divine come through and see where it takes me. So, Marcia, am I paraphrasing correctly? I feel successful when I feel overwhelmed. Yes, yes. Say it. I feel successful when I feel overwhelmed. Does that statement you just made vibrate true in your body right now? Yes. Feel yes. it. I do feel Each it, of you. Though. <laughs> It's bubbling up inside of me. Patty, can you come to say those words? I feel successful when I feel overwhelmed. What war is going on in your head right now? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Listening to Christina and Marsha and Chelsea, oh my goodness, you wouldn't know. <laughs> Chelsea, one of the things I think you've really woke me up to today is that closet that you lock things into and those fears that, maybe I'll go into a little detail here because I don't know if it'll help somebody or not. Years back when I was raising my sister's children because she chose alcohol, drugs, and men over her children, I deprived my children by trying to help her kids and in the end I never got the gratitude from them instead from one of them I got the because I couldn't do what I was doing anymore because of the way things were going and the things that they were doing sneaking out at night lying to me stealing from me one of them once said to me you're going to die a very lonely old woman and those are one of the fears that throughout my life I held on to and by what you shared this morning Chelsea you really opened up a door for me. You opened the window. <laughs> it made me wake up to realize that, you know what? This is one of the reasons I've not allowed myself to have friends, to have people in my life. Because I held on to those words and that scar that drove that knife through my heart. So I've lived my life according to those words that my niece shared with me. And I have been alone all these years. Ever since that happened, you just helped me realize that I've held on to that all my life. And that's part of the reason that 
I've been in this box and holding on to these memories, and I'm not allowing myself to move forward and have really good people in my life because I'm going to die, that lonely old woman. So this call today has just, wow, I've got a whole lot running through my head right now. And Christina, you saying that you've allowed yourself to accept yourself as just as average. I've always allowed myself to be less than average because that's how my life has been. So I've allowed my life to be that. And I now wake up today and I see this and I hear it and I feel it. Right now I'm just going to say, wow. (laughs) I've got a lot going through my head. Wow. I think I've come to the point now where I see that my experiences were totally not ordinary experiences. I don't see that I am just average having gone through some of the experiences I've had and still and I'm still here. So to me that's extraordinary. And that's how I'm gonna look at it. That's how I'm gonna look at my life now. That I have an extraordinary life and I have things that I can share and teach and learn as well because that's who I am. That's what I want to do is be able to inspire my students to understand how extraordinary they really are. Huh. And that's really something we are. Each and every one of us are extraordinary. We can take every experience that we've been through and help others come out of it. That's something that I really, really want to step into. Oh, you ladies have really, (laughs) you have no idea how you have opened me up today. So what is the cost? What is the price of being less than you know you can be? Bring it home. Maybe that's my thing. I don't know what I can be. I know I can be something. Bull hockey. Bull hockey. I know. Bull hockey. Ego is trying to confuse you, Patty. Bull hockey. You know what you can be because you've been it. You've been a loving, unconditionally giving, caring person. True or false? Yeah. True. Now do it to yourself. I'm calling you all out on this. No more mental mind masturbation going on here. I don't know what I can be. (laughs) Bull hockey. Everything you have been has prepared you to be even more. That's the true nature of pay me what I'm worth, is unpiling, dusting off, washing, jettisoning, learning how the lies that have been perpetuated in our minds over and over and over again, no matter how factual they may be, are just that, lies. Right? Yeah, yeah. Overwhelming emotions like right now. Happy. Uh, Pay me what I'm worth, really. This journey is about releasing and retiring that lifetime noose and pain so that I can be free to receiving my self love. And in doing so, that opens me up to receive the abundance of grace and love all around me. Quite honestly, that's like a feeling that it can't be limited, denied, 
or kept. It's like a, the force of a tsunami. I, I can't even stop this. I can't even stop this. And the beauty of it is that prior to this knowing, I couldn't stop that black cloud from persisting so many different ways and levels and depths of my life. Now I cannot stop this overwhelming passion and love for myself. I can't stop it from rolling out and giving it to the next person, whether I know them or not, whether we share blood and DNA. And that's that, you know, that's that agape kind of love that can change this world. Amen. Amen. Christina, you sharing that just really, you know what, you just really helped me. I've never allowed myself to truly love me. It's been kind of a blinded thing. It's just always been something. I've always been a giver, give, 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 but never realizing that's the true me. From my heart, all I want to do is give, and instead I receive all of the bad and not realizing all of the good that's there. While at the same time bouncing away that which people wanted to give to you. True? Which I won't receive because I don't believe it's meant for me. Very true. So the giving was actually a form of controlling. True? Correct. Correct. When you really unpack what you just said there, Patty, it's going to be a tsunami of overwhelming. I've been there. That's what my eldest sister did for me. When I began to see how I was such an unbelievably controlling and manipulative person, thinking all the while that I was being a loving and caring person, blew me away. How's that old saying go? Takes one to know one? Yep. <laughs> Nina, Nina, Nina. Takes one to know one. <laughs> this is my paradox with you and I, me as your facilitator of this course, you as a student of this course. To put it into words would not do it justice. When I think of the collective potential of each of you, and then I think of the collective potential of each of you and what you can do and its collective potential. I can die a happy man after this call. I will have completed my journey happily because you're waking up to that potential. Does it put $100 trillion in my bank account so that I can launch Caregiver Lifeline at this moment in time? No, it doesn't. The potential's there that it could, but I've released it because I realized that when I pressure each of you to step into your potential, I'm sabotaging it. You've got to want to willingly say, give me more. You've got to willingly want to say, yes, I'm busy, but damn it, I'm making time for myself to do this. There's got to be a conviction from the innermost molecular level part of your being to say, I am worth it, period. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I am worth it. (laughs) I can honestly say that right now and feel it. Breathe. Good. Breathe. 
Breathe. Bring it in. Feel all of us here saying to you, Patty, welcome back. Chelsea, feel it. As you step into your extraordinary depths of feeling overwhelmed because you have indeed experienced things in life that no one should, period. No one should ever have to suffer abuse like you have suffered physically, emotionally. But as you now recognize that you're, you don't have to carry that anymore. As you get into the realization that the more you hold yourself back, the more you allow yourself to be victimized. You're going to explode. Hey, Chelsea, (laughs) we're no longer the victims. We're the conquerors. Yes, we are. I feel that uh, what I'm going through right now is deep cleansing. Deeper than I've ever been. Yeah. Probably deeper than I wanted to go. (laughs) So what is the price? What is the cost of being less than you know you can be? When I purposefully do less, and I know that I'm doing less, what does that cost me? It makes me disappointed in myself. (sighs) Yeah. I get very disappointed, and actually I get angry with myself. And that's when I start to question myself. Let me flip this. Let me flip this from the negative, the beating oneself up. Now, I realize that no one on Team Clarity has ever experienced beating themselves up. So I realize this might be a foreign concept. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I would like a story of a time where you felt, and to this day still feel, immeasurable joy. Because you stepped up to the plate, whether that was for yourself or for someone else. You did something, you said something, you accomplished something. That to this day, the the second you even think of that moment, you feel unbridled joy. Many years ago, when I lived in Virginia, I worked for a company. I was sent out to the home of this lady. She was around 62 years old. Now, I'll never forget her. She had cancer. My job was to go in, take care of the home and the rooms that she occupied, do laundry, do some different things for her. So when I start going to see her, I'm with her two or three hours a day, I realize that the main person that's coming in to see her really isn't taking care of her. They're not bathing her every time. They're not changing her bed, nothing. It was so important for this this lady, because she had cervical cancer, and the odor, if you've never smelled it, it's extremely ungodly, and you never forget it. The more I got to know this lady, I said, you need to let the office know that this woman's not taking care of you. I said, because if you don't, I'm going to have to, because I just fell in love with her and her family. When I went to her, it was a time for me that I didn't believe in anything. I didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in nothing. What I did for this woman was nothing compared to what she did for me. So it ended up that I was her primary caregiver, which I loved. I even went on my days off to take care of her. She was just such a wonderfully spiritual and had so much faith. When 
she got sick, really sick the last time and before she died. When she died, her family called the office and asked if I could be off the day of her funeral because they considered me family because I had been so good to her. In my office, even though what I did, they, they paid you $5 an hour to do, and me knowing it was worth much more to my soul what I was doing, they let me off, and I went. And the lessons and the love that I learned from her and her family to this day brings me so much joy. What they did for me was nothing compared to what I did for her. And I'll never, never forget this lady, and she was special, and she made me feel special. That brings me joy. In this moment, feel that joy. Literally allow that feeling of joy to come through you. Mm-hmm. Allow that to be the magnet. Allow that to be the smell of bread baking in the air. Allow that feeling of comfort as you take a sip of hot tea on a chilly day to draw you, to naturally lift you, to compel you to step into who you really are. Mm, That's good. Patty, every time you draw upon joy that's sourced from you wanting to do something for someone with no expectations, no strings attached, true unconditional love. Each time I tap into a moment where I feel blissful because I was allowed the sacred privilege of being of service fuels me to do more with no stress. Where am I going with this? Focusing on the joy that I've had in my life and still have will truly help me through the cleansing that my soul's going through right now. It will truly benefit. It will allow that cleansing to happen in a more peaceful, yeah. more molecular level. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And honestly, what I'm thinking of right now is is the joy of my children and the joy I feel when I work with my church and I'm able to cook for the homeless. I have found no greater joy than when I can give. When I cook those meals for the homeless people and they come up to me and they thank me and they say, thank you, that was really good. Yeah. So, in the classic Soul Dancer style, a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> We really didn't think we were going to get away with a, a call without one, did we? <laughs> At what point do those situations of creating such joy in our life, where do we tip it to sabotaging ourselves? For me, it's waiting for that to shoot drop. Mm-hmm. Because in my life, the majority of it's been... Woohoo, everything's wonderful and joyful, and then it's ruined. Now, uh, granted, I'm a self-sabotager as well, but I think I'd gotten so used to it being good and then it just being destroyed 
that I have continued to create that. And I think that's where we fall under the expectation, okay, I've done something good, but now I'm expecting something to come along to ruin that. Mm-hmm. Or I've done something good, where's mine? Where's my break? Who's going to cook a meal for me because I have no food in my house? You know, so I have to say at that point I disagree because I've gotten to a point to where I don't look at where's mine anymore because I've convinced myself that there is none for me. And you're letting that go today? Yes, I am. Because there's tons for me. Exactly. The tipping point, I'm trying to point out here in the paradox, my mother taught me an invaluable lesson. When I sacrificed to such a degree to bring other people joy that it caused me pain, and then I'm rewarded for that pain, because pain is rewarded in our culture. Oh, look at that poor person. They're suffering. What a pious person. What a dedicated soul, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does this ring any bells for anybody? Mm-hmm. Has anybody felt so exhausted physically and emotionally after spending days, months, hours, weeks, years taking care of someone other than themselves that they now realize that their own physical health is shot to hell because they didn't take care of themselves? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Anybody else on this call can say an amen to that? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Why do you think I'm feeling pressured about giving Caregiver Lifeline a launch sooner than later? Why do you think I'm feeling pressured to raise the $15.5 million yesterday? Let's bring it home. The paradox I'm bringing up is, yes, I get great joy of being of service. I can only be of service when I, me, sold answer, have good health, a peaceful mind, and a very powerful bond with my spiritual side of life. And if that means, no, I don't have time for you, if that means, no, I can't pay something for you, if that means I have to say no to you, I will say no to you knowing that at some point I can say even a larger yes to you. I'm putting my own oxygen mask on first, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Where am I going with this, Patty? Sometimes I just have to get comfortable of looking at me first and saying no. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to get comfortable with the fact that that which has brought you joy in the past, cooking meals for homeless people, has also sabotaged you to the point that you felt you deserved nothing. Hmm. My goodness, that is so amazing. You are right. Most of the time, that is how I have felt, that I don't deserve anything in return. And I've kept myself there. I really have. Patty, a little fun little visualization. You now have in your bank account, you can write a check out for $900 trillion. I'm going to write that check today. (laughs) I'm going to take a blank check and write that. It's cashable. You literally have the money. You could fund homeless shelters all over the world for the next thousand years. Hmm. Can you even wrap your mind around that? Not only can you afford to fund 
thousands of homeless shelters around the world for the next thousand years, but you have even so much more money coming in that you could do whatever you want. You could have your driver take you to your private plane to go wherever you want to, to work with anybody you want at a, at a moment's notice. Ladies, I'm asking you to step into the reality that as you step into your conviction to do what brings you joy, yeah? For me, it brings me great joy that I have four women on the phone right now who are beginning to really step into their potential. I'm quite sincere when I say if I have a heart attack after I hang up the phone after today's class, I will die a very happy, healthy, happy man. For me to have this silly notion that there might be four other people who can feel blessed to the point in life that if they've lost everything tomorrow, including their own physical life, they will have lived they feel happy and joyful, no regrets life. Whoa, I can't think of a better gift to give to another being. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. The cost of not stepping into my fullest means I have less joy in my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time, I will sabotage that joy by pushing other people at a pace they're not ready for. You have to be your own Energizer bunnies. (laughs) (laughs) We've had some huge ahas today. Oh my goodness, yes. Anybody want to dare wrapping their minds around a summary? It helped me refocus on the way I think and feel about what I'm going through right now. Thinking more of it as a cleansing is a much better way to look at it. I know that as I have walked through life, I have held on to a lot of scars. I've held on to a lot of the fears that I've walked through just from my upbringing and things that I've gone through with my family, the alcoholism, the abuse, the things that have gone on with my sister, my father, my mother leaving me, and just a lot of the feelings that it's left me with through life. What I can say today after this call is that I can actually stand here in my living room and say that I can honestly for once in my life believe that there's a greatness within me that I can share with others. And I don't have to share it out of fear. I can share it out of confidence and knowing that somewhere, even if it's one person, I'm going to make that difference. And I don't have to hold on to all of that guilt. I don't have to hold on to all of that fear. Well, what if? I've always had that fear of people honestly and truly not loving me for me. And me not loving me for me. I've never stepped into that. Being a part of Team Clarity and pay me what I'm worth is really helping me accept me for who I am. I'm ever so grateful for it. Christina, you have no idea how grateful I am for the day that you stepped forward and sent me that message on Facebook. Open to a challenge, Patty? Please. Become a Christina. Accepted. Become that person that another person says, 
I am so grateful for the day that Patty texted me on Facebook. Accept it, and I look forward to it. I'm actually standing here smiling. Accepted. Challenge accepted. Marsha, there's icing on the cake on the icing on the cake on the icing on the cake. Every time I watch Marsha go, holy crap, look what happened to me, because something that happened in her team, Team Seekers, I'm going, yes. <laughs> My takeaway is I am ready to for more. <laughs> Bring it on. Want that makes my day. I love the joy. I love feeling joy. So yeah, if that's what I'm going to be missing, bring it on. I want more. <laughs> it's unstoppable. You all talked about how it's unstoppable. Christina, you talked about it's unstoppable. Yes, it is unstoppable. However, our egos can go, oh, wait a minute, you don't deserve this much joy. Mm-hmm. Who do you mm-hmm. think you are? There's going to be a payback. There's going to be a cause and effect. If you get this much joy, there's going to be this much pain. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> Voices I fight with every day. B.S. Amen. When we get into binary thinking, when we get into checkbook thinking, debits and credits, Right? Checkbook for relationships to me, oh, God, been there, done that, don't want everyone to do, I've done this for you, now you do this for me. Well, I've done this for you, now you do this for me. Well, I've done this for you, now you do this for me. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, you and I have navigated some interesting waters in our relationship because there have been a couple of times where I've sensed you putting things aside that you need to do thinking that by doing something for me, it's showing your gratitude for me at the cost of your own success, right? Yeah, I'm ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but oh my goodness. <laughs> I was literally just sitting here in the moment. I was totally not just sitting here thinking about my aha from today, everything that I'm feeling, Trying to breathe through it, I'm actually breathing through something in deep breaths here, thinking, oh, my gosh, I need five minutes to meditate on this. Yes, mark it down, soul. And I'm literally sitting here thinking about our relationship because there have been moments that I have, damn it, soul, back up off me, right? Like, back up off me. And, but I've also appreciated your willingness to say it and give me the choice of how I receive it. And there have been more moments of me saying to, to myself, yes, soul, you're right. Not stepping into that, but you're right. <laughs> and to sort of acknowledge that, yeah, I agree with you, but I am making a choice that I'm not stepping into it. What I haven't been able to do very well until today, I didn't even understand why would communicate that it was because I have a knowing. I just didn't have the way, I didn't have words to put to it. But I knew my history. And I knew by stepping into that moment that 
I to revert back to that little girl who was praying for mediocrity. And I didn't want to sabotage my momentum that I'm in now because I felt like so overwhelmed by stepping into that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So in those moments when you called me out, it's not like I disagreed with you or being unappreciative or defiant or whatever. It was I had a knowing of myself that I didn't know how to communicate, but I also knew I guess I just wasn't ready to receive that. I guess I was afraid of that. Literally, I was afraid of, of knowing that if I stepped in and I wasn't ready for all of that, that I would go back to that little girl praying for the mediocrity. And I was, I suppose, in a way, my controller was <laughs> trying to control that situation. So you're addressing your own paradox. Yeah. On the one hand, Christina Irving knows she can be bigger than Oprah. And I'm not talking about the physical size. I'm talking about Christina Irvin knows that she could be a household name in every country in the world. And on the other hand, she has a memory of a person sitting her down and saying, don't you ever be anything more than average? Because you will be hurt if you do. Mm-hmm. Did I summarize that correctly? Yep. Perfectly. Nature gives us an extraordinary daily reminder of the power of our divine ability. I'll use the example of a dam. Successful dam builders purposefully design dams so that there is a release mechanism. They know that if there's no release mechanism in the dam, that the water will eventually build to such a degree that it will go over the dam, period. It could actually cause the dam to break if there's no release, if there's too much pressure. Yeah? Follow? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. We are all born to be the most powerful person we can possibly be. Pay me what I'm worth is a journey to tap into that power. It's your choice whether or not you want to tap into it or not. Ladies, you're stepping into your fullest potential. It can feel unbelievably unnerving and overwhelming at times. When it does, embrace it. Sleep with it. Dialogue with it. Recognize it for what it is. Healing. And as you step into this greatness, regardless of the outcome, if you can say you've done your best, what else can you do? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stepping into the real beauty of us being us. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Any personal ahas of your own? As one of many Pay Me What I'm Worth team captains, it's my role to help you get serious about removing blocks to your success as well as live a more stress-free, confident life. Wonder if this course is for you? If you are a serious action taker committed to playing big in life and being your best you, I look forward to seeing you in my next class. Call me at area code 423-737-5809. Again, that's 423-737-5809.
to talk about your next steps. Before you go, let's continue this discussion in the comment box below. You can always help other people have breakthrough moments when you share this show across your social media. I look forward to speaking with you. You're listening to Christina Irvin, one of the many team captains for Pay Radio. Definitely radio worth listening to. Have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 